0: Just to start, what we're going to do is, I wonder if we could all just say the Lord's Prayer together. And as we say it, think about the words that you're saying. Focus on them a little more than maybe you do normally. Don't just roll it off the tongue, but focus on the words. Um, I feel like God want, might want to highlight to each of us a particular word or phrase or part of the Lord's Prayer that he is wanting to speak to us about this morning. Um, so yeah, should we do that together? Our Father in heaven and forever, Amen, Amen. Thank you. <laughs> right. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, so, when I was in my second year of university, I went to university in London, um, and all my dad's side of the family all live in London. And um, it was just one Saturday evening. I was sat in my room, and my aunt um, texted me about ten o'clock at night and said, "Oh, uh, your cousins are getting confirmed tomorrow. Do you fancy coming <laughs> to a church in North London? Was about an hour's trip away." Um, and for some reason, I was like. Yeah, go on then. Why not? (laughs) Um, Last minute family. We're all like that. Um, And so I got up the next morning and I got a tube up to North London and went to this service. um, And I sat through it, and it was a very high Church of England church. So um, every word that I said was printed on a page. Um, You had to stand and sit at particular times. There was incense, the lot. Um, And I sat through the service and I felt utterly uncomfortable. I'd been going to church for about two years by that point, um, and it had been a church much more similar to this style of doing things, Um, and I wasn't used to that way of doing church at all, and I felt so uncomfortable. I I actually felt slightly distraught. By the end of the service, I sat there and thought to myself, gosh, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I'm not a Christian. What What is this? And it troubled me so much that I decided to march up to the priest and say, could you just explain that to me? Because I didn't really get it. And once he did, um, he started to sort of talk about the flow of the service and the way that the service is all centered around communion. Um, The death and resurrection of Jesus is the center of our faith. And so when we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus in communion, um, that's the high point of the service. And as he started to unpack it for me and to explain it to me, I was like, wow, that is beautiful. That's incredible. That's so amazing that we would do that in, in our services. And I, and I had this new appreciation for it after I'd done it, but the whole time I was sat there, I was just confused <laughs> and quite disengaged, and I didn't really know how to connect with God through it. And I suppose I tell you that story because this might be how you feel about liturgy. This might be how you feel about the Lord's Prayer. You might sort of pray it every day at 12 o'clock and go, oh, well, I'll just do it because that's what we do at Trinity. And I'll pray it because I know it, and it seems like a good idea, and you know, it's in the Bible, so why wouldn't we? <laughs> but... For me, um, I didn't know how to put my heart into that liturgy. I didn't know how to put my heart behind um, the prayer that I was praying. And if I'm honest, up until moving to Nottingham to help start Trinity, that's how I felt about the Lord's Prayer too. I didn't really. I, I even up until the point of having been given this topic to to speak on, I sort of said to Will, "I, I mean, what, what am I going to say about the Lord's Prayer?" Um, and then I actually started digging into it, and I was like, oh, I could probably give 10 sermons on the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> there's a lot in there. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I didn't know how to put my heart into it. And if there's anything that God wants for us when we pray, it's he wants a heart. He wants who we are to connect with him. And he's given us the Lord's Prayer as a tool. He's given it to us as a gift to be able to engage with who he is and speak of who he is and say words that maybe when we don't have words for ourselves... We live in a culture that is desperately pursuing the new, that is all about innovation, that is all about the, the interesting and the cool words and the cool pictures, and, and we're all striving to be new. And I totally believe that God is in that. I, um, one of my favorite things about God is how deeply creative He is. But we don't always have to be new. <laughs> There are things that God has given us, there are pillars that he's given us, there are words that he's given us, that people have prayed for thousands of years. And there's a weight to those things, there's a depth to those things that is utterly beautiful. And like when that priest explained to me the service, I was like, wow. And I, I suppose my hope is that at the, end of the day, at the end of when I'm speaking today, that you'd get a little bit of that for the Lord's Prayer, that you'd be like, wow, there's so much in this, and that you'd pray it with your heart in a new way. And so when I um, began to sort of look at this passage and look at the Lord's Prayer, um, like I said, before moving to Nottingham, I didn't really pray the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't a part of my life very much. Um, But I I didn't actually realize that Jesus taught this to his disciples. This wasn't just something that the Church of England or the early church came up with because it seemed like a good idea. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this. And because Jesus taught his disciples to pray this, He's sort of inviting us into his prayer life as he he teaches this to his his disciples and to us. He's inviting us to see what it looks like to be in true communion with God. Jesus had absolutely no barrier, no barrier between him and the Father. There was this purity of relationship, this um, unhindered relationship, this love that he had with the Father. And he invites us into that by teaching us how he prays. And so, because Jesus taught us to pray these words and to ask these things of God, we can trust these words are true of who the Father is and what he wants to give us. The Lord's Prayer is a powerful reminder of every day at 12 o'clock, of who it is that we're praying to, of the Father that that we have in heaven, of the Father who longs to give us things, longs to give us good gifts, and longs to speak with us and to be with us. And so I just wanted to take a little bit of time to look at each of the verses in the Lord's Prayer and to draw out a little bit of who is it that God is in these verses. Who is it that we're praying to? And so the first verse is, our Father in heaven. First sentence (laughs) is our Father in heaven. Now, I started, um, when I was preparing for this, I looked at that first, that first verse, and I was thinking and praying, and honestly, I could do an entire sermon on our Father in heaven. (laughs) I feel like there's so much in that, that God is longing for us to capture and to see of who he is. He's our Father. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you'll have heard me talk a lot about how I feel like God has taught me an awful lot about what it means for him to be my Father this last year. Um, that's been quite a difficult journey. I don't, I don't know what your relationship with your father is like. Mine um, is complicated. Good, but complicated. And so I'd say that my relationship with God as my father was good, but complicated. <laughs> it naturally sort of transferred. Um, and so this last year, I have learned in the depths of myself that God loves me, that he adores me, that he simply wants to be with me, that he cares for me, that he Um, is longing to pour out his good gifts on me. And that is utterly true for every one of his children. That is so true for you. He loves you. He adores you. He longs to pour his goodness out upon you. He is not distant. He is not absent. He is not a God who just sits in heaven and doesn't bother. He is our Father in heaven. And he is the one who is always present and always longing to pour himself out for us. Thanks. Um, so secondly, um, secondly, he's in heaven. He's sovereign. He is God over everything. Um, he is our father. He's intimate. He's present with us. But he is above all things. He is to be trusted. And so we start the Lord's Prayer. When we start praying this prayer, we say, okay, who are you, God? Who are you that I'm praying to? You are my father, and you are above all things. And that is what we declare First and foremost, every time we begin to pray this prayer. Okay. Second part. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed's an odd word, isn't it? Um, I think it's the one word that probably stands out in this, other than maybe trespasses, and um, that you're like, oh, what, what does that mean? Um, so I looked it up, and it means, the Greek word is hagiadzo. Probably didn't pronounce that right. But um, it basically means to make holy. And really... What I take that to mean is that he is praiseworthy, that he is the God who is utterly holy, he's perfect, he's other, he is to be in awe of, and we are to be in awe of who he is simply for who he is and for what he's done for us. When he died on the cross, he finished everything that needed to be finished, he did everything that needed to be done for all of eternity, it's done. It's done. And for simply that, without, without the rest of the Lord's prayer, without all the things that he wants to give us, without all the things that he wants to Lord, like, pour out upon us, the fact that he's our father and the fact that it is finished is enough. And that, I mean, it's good value, isn't it? Line two lines. <laughs> okay, next line. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I don't know um, if you've ever read Revelation 21. Um, it's a passage in the last book of the Bible which talks about what the world will look like when God comes again. So when Jesus returns and he puts everything to rights, um, the, the passage is titled A New Heavens and A New Earth. And it basically talks about this beautiful, perfect, peaceful um, place where there is no crying and no mourning and no pain. Where there is utter freedom and um, perfect, right relationship with God as we were always intended for. Um, And I love that passage. I love it so much because it reminds me of what I'm praying for every time I pray. God has promised that, and he started it. He started it when he died on the cross and when he rose again. And when we pray, we partner with him in bringing that to earth. We say, God, come. Come and do more of what you've said you were already going to do. What you've already started and what you're going to do for eternity, Lord, come. And God longs to bring that justice and that freedom to our world in even greater measure than we do. And so if you ever find yourself frustrated at the state of the world, if you ever find yourself feeling lost and weak and incapable of doing anything to help the healing that needs to happen in this world, pray this prayer. Pray it and ask God to come and do it, because he longs to do it in greater measure than we long to do it. And I suppose for me, what your kingdom come, your will be done really um, catches is the creativity of God and the compassion of God. He's longing to bring his kingdom. He's longing to create this new, incredible thing. And he's longing to put everything right. He's longing to bring us peace, to bring us hope, um, to put us at ease. He's our father in heaven, and he longs to bring his kingdom. So, next line. Give us this day our daily bread. So for me, this speaks of God as our provider. Um, I don't know if you know much about the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, um, the Israelites were set free from slavery in Egypt in in the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. Um, And God led his people out of Egypt into the desert. And they stayed in the desert for for 40 years. Um, I'm not sure that God meant that to happen. I think it was, you know, rebellion and stuff like that. Um, But (laughs) so they were in the desert for 40 years. And whilst they were there, God provided this thing called manna for them. And manna was this bread from heaven. It came down and it sustained them and it gave them everything that they needed to live. And when Jesus is praying this and teaching this to to his disciples, he's harking back to that thing to that story that that would have been so intimately a part of of his disciples and who they were. It would have been um, a huge part of their identity, of their story, um, this exodus story. And so when he prays, give us today our daily bread, he's saying, God will provide for you. He will sustain you. He will give you everything that you need. And I think also it speaks of God's faithfulness. It speaks of his um, faithful covenant promise to Israel. That's when God provided that manner, he was being faithful. He was saying, I will always be there for you. I will always give you what you need. And so when we pray this, we remind ourselves that God is faithful, that he is faithful to provide for us. Next verse is, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now this, to me, speaks of God as our saviour. He is unrelenting in his forgiveness because of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he poured himself out. He poured his forgiveness out, and he made a way for us to access that forgiveness um, every single day. And I think we talk, about, we talk about the cross a lot in church, and we talk about it um, Jesus' forgiveness a lot in church, but the gravity, the weight to what that means, that God has forgiven you, He has completely forgiven you. He's wiped everything clean, everything that you regret, everything that was done to you that you didn't ask for, every pain, every fear, everything. It's done. It's gone. God has forgiven it. It, You're free. And he is the one who sets us free. Um, He is the one that because of this forgiveness that he has given to us, we're able to walk into freedom, to be set free of all of the chains of the pain of all those things I just said, is we're able to walk in freedom. And I don't know if, hey, um, feel about forgiveness, I kind of struggle with forgiveness. It's been something I've really had to learn. Um, I don't know how to do it. It doesn't come naturally to me. It doesn't really make sense, um, especially when I feel the pain and the weight of the things that have happened to me in my life. And I want justice. I want something to be done about that. But God has provided all justice. He is all justice. He will bring justice. And I can trust him with that. Because he's my father. I can trust him to bring justice upon the people that need to be made. I don't know, what's the word? Just. Um, (laughs) I can trust him to do that. I can trust him to put the world right because of Revelation 21. I can trust him to bring forgiveness into my life, and therefore, I can forgive others because of what he has poured out upon me. Um, and the wording in this kind of, I think sometimes in, in the past had confused me because I was sort of like, oh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So if I forgive others, then you'll forgive me my sins, right? It's easy to interpret that way. But I really don't think that's what Jesus is teaching when he's saying this. He's saying, you have had all forgiveness poured out upon you. And because of the power that I've given you in that forgiveness... You can go and forgive every person that's ever done you wrong. Because of this freedom, we are set free to free others. Okay, last verse. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we kind of go on a journey through the Lord's Prayer. There's it's about the Father. Then it's sort of a little bit more about us and what He what we're asking for Him for us. And then this last verse is so interesting. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I was having a chat with Jack last night about this, and we were just sort of pondering it a little bit. And he said, oh, he's, he's the God who sanctifies us. He's the God who makes us pure. He's the God who makes us holy. In the same way that when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying, Lord, you are holy. You are above all things. He, as, as his children, he longs to make us like Jesus. He longs us to make us like him and a part of that process is to be made holy now we are not made holy first we're made holy last so holiness is not a prerequisite of coming into relationship with Jesus being good is not necessary (laughs) but out of his goodness out of who he is and what he longs to give us we are made holy we are sanctified And what a stunning thing, (laughs) what a beautiful thing, that all of my impurities, all of the things about me that I know are there and I don't particularly like, I've got a slightly short temper, like, you know, all those things, (laughs) those things are being removed from me day by day. And it's not happening overnight, (laughs) but they are happening. And it's because of his goodness and because of his generosity and because of his love that those things are being shaped and changed and restored into things that he always intended them to be. What was really interesting as well when, when I was looking at this verse is that the root word for evil, the root word in the Greek, um, it talks about hurt, which we inflict. So it's like a, it's pain. It's, it was a really odd thing. I wasn't expecting it when I looked it up. I thought, oh, evil, you know, like a bad guy or something. But it, it's it's a very much ownership on us and the hurt that we cause. And so we're asking God to deliver us from the hurt that we cause this world. We're saying, Lord, protect us, help us. I want to be better than I am. I know, I know that I I hurt people every day. Lord, but please help. Please help me to do to represent you more fully in this world. He's what he's not saying in this is: deliver us from evil, deliver us from hurt, deliver us from the pain around me. He's not. Um, when we pray this, we're not saying, oh, the problem's over there, and God, if you could just come and sort that out, that would be really helpful. (laughs) We're saying, actually, no, I acknowledge that the hurt is in me. I acknowledge that I have a part to play in this world. I acknowledge that my role matters just as much as any other person's, and Lord, I'm taking responsibility for it, and I'm asking for your help. That's what we're saying when we're saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the hurt that's in us. It's a prayer that he would sanctify the parts of us which cause pain around us. And just one other thought about um, temptation as well. as We can trust God with our desires. Temptation, when we say the word temptation, I think we often talk about, um, you know, the things that we shouldn't do. The things that are bad for Christians to do. Um, and actually, I really don't think that God views our lives in that way. I think he what he's saying is that I have great gifts for you. I have so much goodness for you in the appropriate time. And you can trust me with that. You can trust that my way is good because I'm your father. You can trust me with that. You can trust me with your hopes. You can trust me with your needs. You can trust me with your desires. I will give them to you in the appropriate time. I will give you everything that you need. I'm your provider. And so... What we've seen in this prayer is that God is our Father. We've seen that he is sovereign. We've seen that he is praiseworthy. We've seen that he is creative, that he is compassionate, that he is our provider, that he is faithful, that he is our savior, and that he is the one who sanctifies us. So I don't know if you thought when you came in here this morning that the Lord's Prayer was kind of this empty thing that we just sort of prayed every now and then. It is rich. And what we pray when we pray this prayer, I just want to talk about like, the tension that we pray when we pray this. There are, there are almost two things that we hold in our hands every time we pray, regardless of what you pray, whether you pray the Lord's Prayer or any other prayer. What a prayer is, is it's a claim of who God is. When we pray this prayer, we're saying, you are my Father. You are the one in heaven. You are the one who glor- is to be glorified. You are the one who will provide for me. I trust you. And I say that's who you are. And on the other hand, we're also saying, Lord, come and do this. <laughs> come and do more of this. We need you. This isn't enough. I need more of you in my life. I need more of you in this world. What I see around me makes me ache. It's, it's just not enough. And I think we're quite good at that it's not, it's not enough. <laughs> we're quite good at looking around the world and being like, oh, my word. <laughs> what is happening? Lord, you better come and do something. And he is so okay with that. He delights in that. He loves that we would cry out to him and ache for this world to be better than it is. But I want to challenge us this morning. Claim who he already is. Claim it. Believe it. Trust it. Because he is good. (laughs) He really, really is. He is all these things that we've seen this morning in this prayer. And he longs for us to trust him. If there is one thing that I have learned about God in this last year is that all he wants is my trust. All he wants is me to believe in who he is and trust that even when every circumstance in my life looks as though he's not those things, that he is those things and I don't have all the information yet. And so I I desperately pray that every day at 12 o'clock when your alarm goes off and and you think, oh, it's time to pray the Lord's Prayer, I pray that you would feel the weight of what you're praying. I pray that you would know the depths of a God who is your Father and who loves you. And I pray that you would feel the power that he's given you in this prayer. The power that he's given you to call heaven to earth and to say, this is not enough, God. I long for more. I need more here. And so I wonder if, just to finish, um, one last point, actually. One other thing that... um, when we're praying this every day um and i don't know if there have been a few days in the last half many months where you've gone oh i'm busy i'm in a meeting i'm having a chat with someone i'm eating my lunch um i'll do it in a minute um and this whole few weeks we're going we're talking about practices and ancient paths and training ourselves essentially and What we say when we pray this, even when we're busy and even when we're doing it through a chewed sandwich, is I want more of who you are and I will do it even when I don't want to. Even when I feel a bit empty, even when I don't necessarily trust who you are, even when I'm not really sure if I believe that you're my Father in heaven, I'm not really sure that I believe if your kingdom is going to come. Pray it in faith. Pray it because as we do it, God shapes us. As we submit ourselves to him and we follow his ways and we believe in who he is, he shapes us and he changes us. And he imparts some of himself upon us. He gives us his power. He releases us into more freedom. He shapes us into the people that he made us to be. So pray it even when it's hard. Pray it when you can't be bothered. Pray it when you're eating a sandwich. (laughs) Okay? (coughs) One cough. That was good um right so to finish i wonder if we could just say it again together and if there is a word that stuck out to you at the beginning um or a phrase of anything that i have said has been helpful (laughs) um just meditate on it as we say this and i really believe that god wants to speak to you through it okay our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven